wise men. Tonight is part eight in our series on the second coming of Jesus Christ. And to start off with, if you turn with me to DNC 63, and I'm going to start in verse 32, and verses 32 to 37. I, the Lord, am angry with the wicked. I am holding my spirit from the inhabitants of the earth. I have sworn in my wrath and decreed wars upon the face of the earth. And the wicked shall slay the wicked, and fear shall come upon every man. And the saints also shall hardly escape. Nevertheless, I, the Lord, am with them and will come down in heaven from the presence of my father and consume the wicked with unquenchable fire. And behold, this is not yet, but by and by. Wherefore, seeing that I, the Lord, have decreed all these things upon the face of the earth, I will that my saints should be assembled upon the land of Zion, and that every man should take righteousness in his hands and faithfulness upon his loins, and lift a warning voice unto the inhabitants of the earth, and declare both word by word and by flight, that desolation shall come upon the wicked. So, even the saints of God, as the prophesied destructions come, shall hardly escape, but they will. DNC 38. Verses 6 through 12. And even so will I cause the wicked to be kept, that will not hear my voice, but harden their hearts, and woe, woe, woe is their doom. But behold, verily I stand to you, that mine eyes are upon you, I am in your midst, and ye cannot see me. But the day soon cometh that ye shall see me, and know that I am. For the veil of darkness shall soon be rent, and he that is not purified shall not abide the day. Wherefore, gird up your loins and be prepared. Behold, the kingdom is yours, and the enemy shall not overcome. 
Verily I say unto you, ye are clean, but not all. And there is none else with whom I am well pleased. For all flesh is corrupt before me, and the powers of darkness prevail upon the earth. Among the children of men in the presence of all the hosts of heaven, which causes silence to reign, and all eternity is pain. And the angels are waiting the great command to reap down the earth, to gather the tares, that they may be burned, and behold, the enemy is combined. Now, question is, who are the tares? That the angels of God are waiting to reap down. They may be burned, and behold, the enemy is combined. Let's go to DNC 101. DNC 101, starting in verse 63. You know, again, DNC 101 is the parable of redemption of Zion, which we often refer to. And it's actually this parable is the key to unlocking the sealed book of Doctrine and Covenants. So in regards to the separation of wheat and tares. Now, in context, this is after Joseph Smith, the end time servant, has come back on the scene, as well as the servants. This is after they have begun the work of the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house. All those who will enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and embark the path of ascension, whereby they might become sons and daughters of Christ through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then continue on to entering into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. So, you know, after the work begins of this gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house, you know, led by the Lord's end-time servant, Joseph Smith, and the servants who also return with him, which work has already begun. Verse 63. Again, verily I say unto you, I will show unto you wisdom in me concerning all the churches. Well, what is being talked about here, all the churches? Well, the gathering out of the strength of the Lord's house of all those who are willing to enter into the new covenant and begin on the path of ascension. They are they who are, or who constitute the church of the Lord or the church of Christ, the terrestrial order. And it's groups of these people who are the churches. Inasmuch as they are willing to be guided in a right and proper way for their salvation, or, in other words, to the extent that they are willing to obey all of God's commandments, which primarily are received by revelation. Verse 64, that the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue. Well, why does it have to continue? Because it got cut short. It got cut short during the life of Joseph Smith, because the Latter-day Saints would not enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. They would not seek after and receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. And thus they would not become sons and daughters of Christ. And in so doing, 
that we rejected our God and therefore we came under covenant curse. So that's why the gathering was cut short until Joseph would again return and the gathering and the establishment of Zion and the restoration of the church of Christ would commence. Verse 64, that the work of the gathering together of my saints may continue, that I may build them up unto my name upon holy places. For the time of harvest is come, and my word must needs be fulfilled. So this is the time of the final separation of the wheat and the tares from among the Latter-day Saints. Now, the tares actually combine two groups of individuals. They're referenced in the parable of the ten virgins. Um, for the three groups of people that are alluded to and named outrightly in that parable are the wise virgins, the foolish virgins, and the harlots. And to go from the harlot category to the foolish virgin category requires righteousness. It requires actively seeking Jesus Christ. And, you know, those who were foolish virgins, they came to the doors of the wedding feast, just as the wise virgins did, believing, just as the wise virgins believed that they would be admitted. But the difference between the belief of the foolish and the wise is the belief of the wise was based and predicated upon revelation, while the belief of the foolish was not. For, you know, the, the wise virgins are not only good, they are also wise, which means they are both good and they have taken the Holy Spirit as their guide. And while those to whom have not been given the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the requirement upon them is not as high. Um, for there will be many foolish virgins among those who are not of the restoration uh, movements, you know, primarily the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who will make it. Um, and, you know, there will be time for them to learn to take the Holy Spirit as their guide. But for Latter-day Saints, uh, the time for us to learn to take the Holy Spirit as our guide is now. And because we've been given greater light and knowledge, if we do not arise to that spiritual level, we are categorized among the terrors and we don't make it. Verse 65, therefore I must gather together my people according to the parable of the wheat and the tares, that the wheat may be secured and the garners to possess eternal life. Or in other words, that the wheat may, through the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, that Christ might extend his name to them and that they might receive his name and actually take upon themselves his name, not only being willing to take upon themselves his name, because 
one does not take upon themselves the name of Christ simply by declaring it to be so. Um, one does not take upon themselves the name of Christ. It must be extended to them. And so baptism by water into the preparatory order of the gospel or into the LDS church um, is a covenant that we are willing to take upon us the name of Christ. Should we do what is required that he might extend that name to us. Continuing verse 65. And be crowned with celestial glory when I shall come in the kingdom of my father to reward every man according as his work shall be. Now, what does this mean? I mean, we're going into uh, a terrestrial order of the earth. So why does it say that the gathering together of my saints may continue, that I may build them up unto my name upon holy places, for the time of harvest is come, that the wheat may be secured in garners to possess eternal life and to be crowned with celestial glory. Well, in DNC 84, you know, what does it say about Moses and the children of Israel? And this is a key to understanding what is being talked about here by being crowned with celestial glory. Um, even as we're going into a, a terrestrial state of existence. In C84, verse 23. And now, this Moses plainly talked to the children of Israel in the wilderness and sought diligently to sanctify his people that they might behold the face of God. And we find out in verse 24 that in this context, beholding the face of God doesn't mean just to see him in vision, but to enter into his rest, which rest is the fullness of his glory which is talked about in DNC 76. So we go to DNC 76. Regarding becoming sanctified, that we might be prepared to enter into the rest of the Lord. Verse 52 says that by keeping the commandments, they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto this power. Or in other words, receiving the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. That then prepares us for what comes next. Verse 53, and who overcome by faith, and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which the Father sheds forth upon all those who are just and true. They are they who are the church of the firstborn. Well, 53 has reference to after the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, being instructed by the Spirit about everything that we must do to enter into the rest of the Lord. And this is the process of overcoming by faith. And then when we enter into the rest of the Lord, or into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory in the seventh heaven, or that place in the heavens where he presides in the fullness of terrestrial glory. And 
we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, or Christ makes our calling and election sure, and we feel the prints of the nails in his hands and feet and wrists, and we thrust our hand into his side, then are we members of the church of the firstborn. Then we become members of this celestial order, not meaning that we're now at the celestial level, but meaning that we now qualify to be given celestial law, that we might work on living celestial law, that by the end of the millennium, when the earth goes through the transition from translated terrestrial to translated celestial, we might be ready to make that jump with the earth. And so back in DNC 101, verse 65, therefore I must gather together my people according to the parable of wheat and the tares. Well, who are Christ's people? Those who enter into the new covenant and through doing so become Christ's sons and his daughters. They are they who are the church of Christ. They are they who are his sons and daughters. They are they who are wheat or his people. And then they continue from having become his sons and his daughters to actually coming into his presence and becoming members of the church of the firstborn that they might be given and instructed in celestial law while they are yet in, um, you know, once Christ comes in his glory, a terrestrial state of existence. And this is precisely what is required to enter into New Jerusalem. For until we have become members of the Church of the Firstborn, uh, we must dwell outside New Jerusalem and seek to overcome by faith that we might enter into the rest of the Lord and qualify to enter into New Jerusalem. That the wheat may be secured in the garners to possess eternal life and to be crowned with celestial glory. When I shall come in the kingdom of my Father to reward every man according as his work shall be. Now, this also has reference to the end of the millennium. When Satan is again loosed, he gathers out his forces. And he actually gathers his forces from three different locations. One is, and primarily, those outside the New Jerusalem, who never did ascend to the church of the firstborn, and thus never qualified to enter into its gates. A few from within inside the New Jerusalem. And the third category would be among spirits who were born to those who were in celestial glory uh, during this thousand-year period. So, you know, as we've talked about previously, uh, there are those upon the earth, like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph Smith, who have already entered into translated terrestrial glory, had to return to this earth, um, receive additional experiences to prepare them to become saviors or wives of saviors. Um, and when 
they go back into the millennial period, they will have um, not only their terrestrial glory restored to them, but also their celestial glory. And they will be able to travel between the terrestrial and celestial before the battle of God and Magog when this earth is celestialized. And while in translated celestial glory, one has spirit children. And um, they have the choice um, to, you know, follow God, our Heavenly Father, or to follow the adversary. And so when Satan is loosed, he will do his best to draw away those in uh have been born uh, as spirits in the celestial realm. And again, remember, you know, what happens. You know, those who have made their final preparations um, during these celestial mortalities and have come back as Abraham's, Isaac's, Jacob's, Sarah's, and when going into this millennial state of rest are now making final preparations to become a savior. You know, they are planning out the earth, which they will direct that creation. And so literally their own spirit children, although they are not yet ready, you know, to become heavenly fathers, heavenly mothers, which is the state that Christ is ascending to, you know, after this earth is celestialized, um, their own spirit children, you know, that, that what we classically think of as the war in heaven in the LDS church, where uh, we had the opportunity to follow either Christ or the adversary, and the adversary promised that all would make it. Um, literally, um, you know, we're choosing um, among either the plan of, you know, our spiritual parents who are preparing to become saviors or, um, you know, also among the, the group that is, you know, led away are also, you know, new spirit children of Heavenly Father, Heavenly Mother. So both levels of spirit children have the opportunity to be led uh, away to follow the adversary's, you know, plan. Um, spirit children of father and mother, uh, spirit children of those who are preparing to become saviors, and spirit children of those who are not ready to become saviors, but are going into a translated celestial uh, sphere. Um, and so this, this war in heaven is, is a lot broader than we have ever imagined. You know, it involves all of those spirit children who have not yet had the opportunity to come into mortality as well as those who have gone into the millennial period and are inside and outside the New Jerusalem. 66. 
while the tares shall be bound in bundles and their bands be made strong, that they may be burned with unquenchable fire. Or, in other words, they don't make it into the millennium. And they suffer eternal punishment, not meaning that that punishment never ends, but simply meaning that it is God's punishment. And meaning that the spirit has been testifying to them of the truth. And it's been crying out to them how to discern a true prophet from a false one. And yet they would not open their ears to hear, nor their hearts to understand. And they preferred instead to, as Nephi puts it in 2 Nephi 28, Verse 31, cursed is he that putteth his trust in man, or maketh flesh his arm, or shall hearken unto the precepts of men. Or in other words, those who presented themselves as if they had power and authority of God, but did not. And did not speak by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost, and yet claimed to speak by the power of God. Um, these are the foolish virgins. And although they, they don't make it into the millennial period, um, you know, they're, they're not cast off forever. They're going to uh, continue to have a sufficient number of chances so that as soon as they are ready to actually take the Holy Spirit as their guide, open their ears to hear and their hearts to understand, on some future earth, they will yet have an opportunity to enter into a millennial period at that point. But they will not make it into this millennial period. Continuing in verse 31. Save their precepts shall be given by the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, the wise virgins, they know how to discern a true prophet from a false prophet. They know how to discern one who speaks by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost from one who does not. And so the wise virgin does not rely upon the arm of flesh um, or those who claim to speak by the power and authority of God, but in fact do not. And that is what qualifies as wise as well as being able to also in addition to receiving revelation as to who is speaking by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost and who is not, to be able to actually receive um, personal instruction and personal revelation about how to enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and live it with integrity that they might become the sons and daughters of Christ through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then to be instructed how to enter into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory. These are wise virgins. These are the wheat to be gathered into the garners of eternal life. While the tares shall be bound in bundles and their bands be made strong and they be burned with unquenchable fire. Now, you know, again, I'm impressed to go back to 2 Nephi 28. 
And I would have to say that most Latter-day Saints right now are in the following category. Verse 21. And others he will pacify and mold them away into carnal security. That they will say all is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth. All is well. And thus the devil cheateth their souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. And verse 24. Therefore, woe be unto him that is at ease in Zion. Woe be unto him that crieth all is well. Woe be unto him that saith we have received and we need no more. Woe be unto him that shall say we have received the word of God and we need no more the word of God for we have enough. You know, it is not required that we learn to take the Holy Spirit as our guide. It is not required that we can discern a true prophet from a false one. For we are told who the true prophets are and everything that we need to know. And there is nothing else that we need to know. Um, These members of the church may be very good um, people. But they're foolish. And a litmus test to differentiate uh, wise from foolish members of the LDS church is given to us in 2 Nephi 28, verse 28. And in fine, woe unto all those who tremble and are angry because of the truth of God. For behold, he that is built upon the rock receiveth it with gladness, and he that is built upon a sandy foundation trembleth, lest he shall fall. So if you want to know if your family member or friend or associate um, is in the, the wise or the foolish camp, all that is required is to declare higher truth unto them. Um, i.e. the doctrine of Christ, the true new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, the doctrine of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and thus becoming sons and daughters of Christ, and that this doesn't happen at confirmation, and then entering into the rest of the Lord. And if they receive it with gladness, we know that they're built upon the rock, which rock is Christ and revelation. And on the other hand, even if they're really good, but they become angry because of the truth. We know that they're built upon a sandy foundation, um, something other than Jesus Christ. And for many Latter-day Saints, the sandy foundation that they're built upon is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. While it may be very good, it is not the church that saves a man or woman. It is Jesus Christ. It is not the president of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that can save a man or woman. It's Jesus Christ. Even in the case of a true prophet like Joseph Smith, he could not save a man or a woman. He could only point them to Jesus Christ and strongly encourage them to enter into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that they might become Christ's sons and his daughters, that they might enter into his rest precisely as Joseph Smith had done. They are they who are the wise virgin. They are they 
who are the wheat. And they are they among the Latter-day Saints who the Lord terms the strength of my house. These are they who the end time servants, even at this very hour, are gathering out. And the work of the separation between the wheat and the tares has begun. And to all the members of the church, the Lord extends his hand and invites us to repent and return. Repent of the false doctrine that we believe to be true but is not. Repent of our idolatry of placing our heart upon anything other than Jesus Christ, which can include the church and church leadership. It also often includes material wealth um, and maybe even the greatest example is placing our own will before that of God's and refusing to align our will with God's will and being more interested in being right than finding truth. Verse 32. Woe be unto the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or Gentiles, saith the Lord God of hosts. For notwithstanding, I shall lengthen out mine arm unto them from day to day. For God is gathering his people into the Latter-day Saint church. They will deny me. Okay, this is the vast majority of the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We are denying our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because we refuse to open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to understand. We refuse, just like the children of Israel under Moses, to enter into the new covenant, that we might become sanctified through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and prepared to enter into the rest of the Lord. Having taken the Holy Spirit as our guide, we refuse that and instead harden our hearts and cast out the spirit and true messengers in favor of trusting in those who speak not by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And thus, we never become Christ's sons and Christ's daughters. And thus, we have denied our God. They will deny me. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them. So until that final day of the separation between the wheat and the tares, even though we're in the very midst of denying our God, yet he doesn't cast us off forever. Yet he's merciful to us. Yet he continues to extend his hand to us and invites us to repent and to return. Continuing in verse 32. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God, if they will repent and come unto me. Well, how do we know how to repent and come unto Jesus Christ? Well, Jesus Christ has sent his servant, Joseph Smith Jr., to return. 
that the heavens might again be open, that angels may again work with men and women on the earth, that the knowledge of the true new covenant may be restored, that we might enter into it, that we might become his sons and daughters through the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. D.N.C. 101.55, And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, and we find in D.N.C. 103 that this is Joseph Smith, Jr., Go and gather together the residue of my servants, who then go and declare the doctrine of Christ, as Joseph Smith, for a period of time, works on translating ancient records. And take all the strength of my house, which are my warriors, my young men, they that are of middle age also among all my servants, who are the strength of mine house, save only those whom I have appointed to tarry. Go ye straightway unto the land of my vineyard, and redeem my vineyard, for it is mine, I have bought it with money. Which means that his vineyard, or the members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, have need to be redeemed and to be reclaimed. Because the enemy came by night, broke down the hedge, scattered the watchmen, and destroyed the olive trees, which were us, or destroyed the knowledge of the new covenant, whereby we might become sons and daughters of Christ. So going back to 2 Nephi 28.32. Nevertheless, I will be merciful unto them, saith the Lord God. For he will open again the heavens. He will again send servants to declare the true doctrine of Christ. That all who will might enter into that covenant and become Christ's sons and his daughters. For mine arm is lengthened out all the day long, saith the Lord God of hosts. Going back. Um, the DNC 103. Verse 11. Regarding the work of these end time servants and the opening again of the heavens and angels again ministering to men and women on the earth. 103, verse 11. But verily I say unto you, I have decreed that your brethren which have been scattered shall return to the land of their inheritances and shall build up the waste places of Zion. Well, how did Zion turn into a waste place? Well, it's because just like the children of Israel under Moses, we as Latter-day Saints rejected the new covenant under Joseph. And so we progressed from condemnation recorded in DNC 84 to covenant curse, to being rejected as a church with our dead, as recorded in DNC 124. And thus, at the death of Joseph Smith, um, Zion became a waste place. And we have remained in that scattered condition, in a waste place, until Joseph Smith returned, and the heavens again opened, and the new covenant began again to be declared from the rooftops. Verse 12. For after much tribulation, as I have said unto you in a former commandment, cometh a blessing. For the much tribulation, you know, we certainly saw the tribulation of the early saints as they were murdered and driven from place to place. And even 
as the Lord again extended his arms to the saints or his arm to the saints in Nauvoo, that if they would repent and return, he would fight their battles um, and they would not be driven from Nauvoo as recorded in VNC 124. Yet we would not soften our hearts. We would not enter into the new covenant. And so instead of fighting our battles, the Lord allowed his people who had rejected him to be driven and to be smitten for a little season or several generations until this generation with the return of Joseph and the opening of the heavens and the commencement again of the gathering of the strength of the Lord's house. And I would submit that Many of those who are now awakening were also with Joseph Smith during his first ministry. And we didn't step up sufficiently. And we were prodigal sons. But the Lord hasn't cast us off. He's giving us another chance to repent and return and to this time prove that we are willing to take the Holy Spirit as our guide. Find the truth not be deceived. For after much tribulation, verse 12, as I have said unto you in a former commandment, cometh a blessing. Behold, this is the blessing which I have promised after your tribulations, which took place not only during the life of Joseph Smith, but for all of the generations from then until now. After your tribulations, and the tribulations of your brethren, your redemption, and the redemption of your brethren, even their restoration to the land of Zion, to be established no more to be thrown down. Or in other words, all those who this time will receive the new covenant, Zion is created within them, that they might be gathered together by the Lord's servants. And the last time that that gathering will take place, is right before the destruction of the terrorists. And the wheat will be gathered out and led on that end time exodus. Verse 14, the Lord gives us a warning that if we continue in our old ways, in our old paths, in the tradition of what we have done before, because the tradition of what we've done before is to find the truth, accept it, but not be being willing to endure to the end. Or in other words, not being willing to continue in the path of a broken heart and contrite spirit, that we might truly become God's people. For as soon as a little bit of tribulation comes upon us, we turn out of the way of revelation and following the commandments of the Lord, which he would give unto us by revelation. Um, we enter the fire, and then we turn back, because we don't sufficiently or sufficiently trust the Lord or have hope in him, and we refuse to exercise faith sufficient for deliverance. So the warning, if we fall back into our old paths and into our old ways, 
Nevertheless, if they pollute their inheritances, they shall be thrown down. For I will not spare them if they pollute their inheritances. But for those who won't pollute their inheritances, for those who will exercise faith and hope in Jesus Christ, who will gain the gift of discernment through trial and error and not giving up, but pressing forward and thereby learn to take the Holy Spirit as their guide, find the truth and not be deceived. And are willing, as uncomfortable as it is, to cast off our false traditions and replace them with true light and knowledge and principles and doctrine. Behold, I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. And that is exactly what will happen. And the power by which Zion will be redeemed is the power of Christ. The power of the Holy Ghost. And by entering into the new covenant, receiving the ordinance of baptism, of fire baptism of the Holy Ghost. That is the power by which Zion will be redeemed. Now let's go to DNC 45. And DNC 45, let's read verses 56. And 57. And at that day, when I shall come in my glory, shall the parable be fulfilled which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise, who are also those classified among the wheat, as we have read. For they that are wise and have received the truth, and have taken the Holy Spirit as their guide, and have not been deceived, verily I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. You know, these are the Latter-day Saints who make it into the millennium, who will make it into the New Jerusalem, because they are willing to be led in a right and proper way by the Spirit. And by those who the Lord will call as his end time servants to lead them. DNC 5. Verses 16 through 20. And behold, whosoever believeth on my words, them will I visit with the manifestation of my spirit. So, Every man, every woman who is born into this world has access to the light of Christ, that he may be instructed sufficiently to know good from evil. To whatever extent we choose the good and shun the evil, we increase our capacity to receive light and truth. And if we continue to hearken unto 
the voice of the Spirit to greater light and knowledge. We will come to the point where we are able, as it says in the beginning of verse 16, and behold, whosoever believeth on my words, which we're able to discern his words from the words of false prophets and the words of Baal, then will I visit with the manifestation of my spirit. So they who are stewards over small things, or they who are given talents and increase them, will be given far greater manifestations of the Spirit. Uh, even manifestations of knowledge and truth and glory and power. And they shall be born of me. So ultimately, hearkening to the voice of the Spirit, from the very beginning, uh, paying attention to being instructed sufficiently by the light of Christ to know good from evil and choosing good, and then moving from, from one uh, small step to the next to the next, we will be instructed sufficiently to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, become Christ's sons and his daughters. And they shall be born of me, even of water and of the Spirit. And you must wait yet a little while, for ye are not yet ordained. Well, now this is interesting because there are many out there who claim that priesthood authority is some mystical force that isn't an actual thing, but it's just desire. And there are many out there who claim that simply having sufficient desire is authority in the priesthood. Um, however, it's not true. And this verse is one of many that documents that it isn't true. If that were true, there would have been no need for the restoration of the gospel through Jesus Christ. For the Christian reformers, um, their desire, uh, understanding that the Catholic Church had rejected the fullness of the gospel and that much error had been introduced into the church as a result of it. Simply their desire to reform the corrupt church would have been sufficient. And while it was good and necessary, it wasn't sufficient. Verse 17 again, and you must wait yet a little while, for ye are not yet ordained. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the ordinance of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, we have to combine our desire to receive them, our desire to enter into the new covenant with proper priesthood authority as restored from the heavens. Verse 18, and their testimony shall also go forth unto the condemnation of this generation if they harden their hearts against them. So those Latter-day Saints who have not taken the Holy Spirit as their guide, therefore when the truth is declared to them, 
by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost when they reject it and become angry because of it. It's because they harden their hearts, which is the opposite of the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. Verse 19. For a desolating scourge shall go forth among the inhabitants of the earth and shall continue to be poured out from time to time. If they repent not until the earth is empty and the inhabitants thereof are consumed away and utterly destroyed by the brightness of my coming. Now, we find this concept of a desolating scourge that shall be poured out among or upon the inhabitants of the earth. Um, You know, we find its roots in Isaiah. And, you know, if we go to Isaiah 28, verse 15, and we're going to be going into Isaiah in greater depth in later Zoom discussions. Uh, Isaiah 28:14. Therefore, hear the word of Jehovah, you scoffers who preside over these people in Jerusalem. So in Isaiah, um, historical precedent is used as Latter-day metaphor. And the people in Jerusalem of Isaiah's day um, are now the Latter-day Saints. So here's a word to the leaders of the LDS Church. Who Isaiah calls scoffers. You have supposed by taking refuge in deception and hiding behind falsehoods to have covenanted with death. Now, what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? To take the Lord's name in vain means to claim that we have power and authority from God when we do not. When it has actually not been given. And Isaiah tells us that to this process of taking the Lord's name in vain, by asserting that we have power and authority from God when we do not, um, i.e., the Melchizedek priesthood was taken from the church in May 1834. Um, the final um, announcement, you know, was made in December 1834 when Christ took his name out of the church. And in DNC 124, it's recorded that the saints have the opportunity to receive the Melchizedek priesthood back if they will but repent and return. However, we didn't. And so we stood rejected as a church with our dead, as is recorded in DNC 124. Um, However, those who claim that they have power and authority from God, which they do not, this is taking the Lord's name in vain. And Isaiah says that this is part of the process um, of making a covenant with death. 
verse 15 in Isaiah. You have supposed by taking refuge in deception and hiding behind falsehoods to have covenanted with death or reach an understanding with Sheol that should a a flooding scourge sweep through the earth, it shall not reach you. So this desolating scourge has uh, several meanings. Um, One, it's a metaphor for the destruction that will be wreaked out by the king of Assyria slash king of Babylon. And may I say that the pronouncements by the LDS Church, that all of its members should comply with the government authorities who are advocating that we should wear masks, which do practically nothing um, to prevent the spread of an actual virus. Um, And we're surrounded by viruses all the time. But, you know, as the leaders of the LDS church are going along with the fake pandemic, it is an evidence of making it, deal with Sheol. And we can see that Bill Gates and the World Health Organization, who, um, and Fauci, and those who work with them, you know, have also made a covenant with Sheol and are seeking to bring the entire earth into a state of bondage. Um, And its author is the adversary. And what the Lord would expect is that someone among the 15 would be an Alma among the court of King Noah. Because the spirit is continually warning them that They are continuing to make covenants with Sheol or death or the adversary going along with the globalist designs, which will eventually result in the destruction of most of the earth's population. And this is symbolized in Isaiah by the king of Babylon, king of Assyria. Um, that entity in the last days, which amasses to itself a political, economic, and military power and becomes the staff in the Lord's left hand to destroy the wicked. So again, verse 14 in Isaiah 28. And I'm reading from Avraham Gileadi's translation, which is available at IsaiahExplained.com. Therefore, hear the word of Jehovah. You scoffers who preside over these people in Jerusalem. Talking specifically to the 15 who preside over the LDS church. You have supposed by taking refuge in deception and hiding behind falsehoods to have covenanted with death or reach an understanding with Sheol that should a flooding scourge sweep through the earth, it shall not reach you. Now, I can't tell you how many times I have heard that the church's pronouncement that we should be wearing masks in public is akin to Moses raising the brazen serpent upon the staff. And if 
those who had been bitten by fiery flying serpents would but look to the staff with the brazen serpent who was a symbol of Christ that they would be healed and live. Well, how are the people healed and did they live? It's because they looked to Christ. It's because they received the new covenant. And the parallel is being made by those who take refuge in deception and hide behind falsehoods that this is analogous with wearing the mask is mandated by the government who is part of that great conspiracy who seeks to overthrow the freedom of all people and bring the whole world into subjection and into bondage. That the symbol of their bringing the entire world into subjection and bondage, the wearing of the mask in public and in public spots that, so that we don't offend anybody, so that we can, quote unquote, protect ourselves from this false pandemic, which even if it were a real pandemic, these masks uh, do not filter out the micron particle size of a virus. In fact, they actually harbor bacteria and actually put one's health in jeopardy and they act as an outward symbol, which is the opposite of the brazen serpent on Moses' staff, which was the symbol of Christ for the wearing of the mask in public represents um, buying into the kingdom of the adversary and the destruction that is awaiting all those who enter into this covenant with death. Hiding behind falsehoods. For instance, the false pandemic. To have covenanted with death or reached an understanding with Sheol that should a flooding scourge sweep through the earth, it shall not reach you. These masks will not protect us from the king of Assyria, king of Babylon. They are simply a symbol that we have submitted to his tyranny. And in the days that are coming, when a true um, viral scourge is released by these same people who are telling us to wear these masks, by the people who are planning to destroy over 90% of the Earth's population, the same ones who are being entrusted with preparing the vaccine to, quote-unquote, protect us against this false pandemic, um, who the governments of the world have bought into this fake deception and are participating with Sheol and with death and with deception in what is going to become the mandate of taking this vaccine, which will have hidden within its serum seeds of death. Um, and there will be many who will take it innocently and at that day, uh, when whatever 
agent that is hidden within it is activated, whether it be through contact with the radiation that is possible through 5G technology that the cell phone carriers are transitioning over to, or whether it's a future um, pandemic that might be like Ebola that will eventually be released by the same people who released COVID-19, which is a real virus, but certainly is not a pandemic. Um, but the vaccine that is being prepared may well work in concert with the new um, virus that is being worked on at this time and which release is being planned. This new vaccine may well be working in conjunction with it to lower our natural defenses um, because without the vaccine, it may well be the case that our normal um, immune system, you know, if we are living a reasonably healthy lifestyle, would be sufficient to protect us from what is being worked on and from what will be released um, will sufficiently damage our natural immunity that um, we will be you know, slaughtered by the desolating scourge which is yet coming. Both a reference to an actual pandemic and to the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, who's developing it and will yet be releasing it. Verse 16, therefore, thus says my Lord Jehovah, I lay in Zion a stone, a keystone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. They who believe it will not do rashly. So this, this stone, that Jehovah is giving to Zion is the restoration of the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. It's the restoration of the knowledge that the heavens have again been opened and that we can become God's people and that he will instruct us, that he will protect us, that he will lead us and guide us. That's where the protection lies, not in the masks of death that our own church is instructing us to take upon us. But it's through the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, actually becoming Christ's sons and his daughters. This is that stone. This is that keystone of revelation. I will make justice the measure, righteousness the weight. A hail shall sweep away your false refuge and the waters flood the hiding place. Your covenant with death shall be, shall prove void. Your understanding with Sheol have no effect. When the flooding scourge sweeps through you, shall be overrun by it. As often as it sweeps through, you shall be seized by it. Morning after morning, it shall sweep through. By day and by night, it shall seize you. It shall cause terror merely to hear the word of it. Then shall come to pass the proverb. The couch is too short to stretch out on. The covering too narrow to wrap oneself in. For in that day, it will be too late. 
because now is the time of preparation. And once the time of preparation has passed, it will indeed be too late. For Jehovah will rise up as he did on Mount Perizim and be stirred to anger as in the valley of Gibeon to perform his act, his unwanted act, and to do his work, his bizarre work. Well, what is this bizarre work? What is this unwanted act? Well, it is the very separation of the wheat and the tares. And the binding of the bands of the tares to be made sure and strong and the destruction of the tares and the foolish virgins. And the saving of the wheat and the wise virgins. And it is strange that those who call themselves by the name of God and profess to have his power and his authority should be destroyed. Back to the DNC section five. Verse 16. And behold, whosoever believeth on my words, them will I visit with the manifestation of my spirit, and they shall be born of me, even of water and of the spirit. This is the taking forth of the doctrine of Christ by true end-time servants who have the power and authority to perform baptism by water into the terrestrial order and perform the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, when it is instructed for them to do so by the Spirit. Verse 18, and their testimony shall also go forth unto the condemnation of this generation, if they harden their hearts against them. And before the destruction of the tares, the declaration by true servants of the doctrine of Christ will go forth to all members of the church. Verse 19, for a desolating scourge shall go forth among the inhabitants of the earth and shall continue to be poured out from time to time if they repent not until the earth is empty and the inhabitants thereof are consumed away and utterly destroyed by the brightness of my coming. Behold, I tell you these things, even as I told the people of the destruction of Jerusalem, and my word shall be verified at this time, as it has hitherto been verified. DNC 84. Verses 53 through 59. All right, DNC 84 is given in 1832. And it's the second warning of the Lord to the Latter-day Saints, that they better repent and return. Um, The first warning had been given a few years prior, and it's recorded in the Book of Commandments, chapter 4, verses 5 through 6. And thus, if the people of this generation harden their hearts, 
I will work a reformation among them. I will put down all lyings and deceivings and priestcrafts and envies and strifes and idolatries and sorceries and all manner of iniquities. And I will establish my church like unto the church which was taught by my disciples in the days of old. So there was the establishment of this order of the gospel during the days of Joseph Smith. But then there was the apostasy. And now if this generation do harden their hearts, verse 6, against my word, behold, I will deliver them up unto Satan. For he reigneth and hath much power at this time. For he hath got great hold upon the hearts of the people of this generation. And not far from the iniquities of Sodom and Gomorrah do they come at this time. And behold, the sword of justice hangeth over their heads. And if they persist in the hardness of their hearts. The time cometh that it must fall upon them. Behold, I tell you these things. Even I also told the people of the destruction of Jerusalem. And my word shall be verified at this time as it hath hitherto been verified. So, you know, that's exactly, you know, what we just read in DNC 5. That this warning is being given to the Latter-day Saints just as it was to the people of Jerusalem before their destruction. Continuing in DNC 84. So, you know, in the Book of Commandments, chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, that was one of the first warnings to the Latter-day Saints. That if they didn't repent and return, they would be destroyed. You know, after the fullness of the gospel had been restored and established among them. That if they would then go into apostasy, they would be delivered over to Satan. Well, after the fullness of the gospel has been restored to the Latter-day Saints, you know, by 1832, as recorded in DNC 84, the Lord tells us that we go from a warning about what would happen Two, we have actually come under condemnation as a people. DNC 8454, your minds in times past have been darkened because of unbelief. So this isn't just something new in 1832. This has been going on since the very first part of the restoration of the gospel. Not by all, but among most. Your minds in time past have been darkened because of unbelief and because you have treated lightly the things that you have received, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. 1832. And this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. So this isn't just a few members of the church. This is all the members of the church. And they shall remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant, even in the Book of Mormon. And the former commandments which I have given them not only to say, but to do according to that which I have written. The new covenant in the Book of Mormon is the covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. To receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. To become Christ's sons and his daughters. This is what we have rejected. 
that they may bring forth fruit meat for the Father's kingdom. Well, what is that bringing forth fruit meat for the Father's kingdom? Well, the fruit meat is becoming sons and daughters of Christ. It's becoming they whom the Father has given Jesus Christ. Otherwise, there remaineth a scourge and a judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. Have we not just been reading about the prophecy of this overflowing scourge that is to be poured out? So in other words, those members of the church who do not repent and return, who do not enter into the new covenant, who do not become sons and daughters of Christ, the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, will overcome them unto their utter destruction whether it be through the sword or through a desolating sickness, which will cover the land, or through natural disaster, like the natural disasters that came upon the Nephites before Christ came and visited them. Verse 59. For shall the children of the kingdom pollute the holy land? Well, implicit in that, the children of the kingdom, is that those Latter-day Saints are God's covenant people. And that he's brought them, he's led them to the fullness of the gospel. Because they're his people. And he's, even though we have rejected him, he's continued to bring his people into the church. That they might have access to the fullness of the gospel through the scriptures of the restoration that they might awaken and arise and enter into the new covenant and be saved. For shall the children of the kingdom pollute my holy land? Verily I say unto you, nay. All right. Let's go to DNC 45. In DNC 45, let's start in verse 30. And in that generation shall the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So we are in the generation when the times of the Gentiles will be fulfilled. Well, what is it exactly that marks the fulfillment of the times of the Gentiles? The thing that fulfills the time of the Gentiles is the separation of the wheat and the tares from among the members of the Church of, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And in even a broader context, among all the peoples who have adopted and received the Book of Mormon. Because this would apply to all the restoration branches, and there are even other Christian sects who have accepted the Book of Mormon. And among all those people, um, the final separation of wheat and tares marks the time of the fullness of the Gentiles, or the end of the fullness of the Gentiles. Verse 31, And there shall be men standing in that generation that shall not pass until they shall see an overflowing scourge, for a desolating sickness shall cover the land. All right, so this overflowing scourge has reference both to the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, and to the bio plague that he will be releasing. 
And I would submit to you that that bio plague is being finalized right now and it will work in conjunction with the COVID-19 vaccine that is being prepared right now. Verse 32, but my disciples shall stand in holy places and shall not be moved. But among the wicked, men shall lift up their voices and curse God and die. And there shall be earthquakes also in diverse places and many desolations. So the work of the king of Assyria, king of Babylon, will be to inflict death by the sword. It will be to inflict death through disease and pestilence and also famine. And combined with that, we will have natural disasters and destructions. And it will become so severe that if men aren't grounded in Jesus Christ and have revelation, they will give up hope and their hearts will fail them. And they will abandon themselves to fear and to destruction, meaning that they will wear the masks, which are the symbol of death and destruction, and a covenant with Sheol. They will take the vaccines. They will take upon themselves the mark of the beast, whatever that is. And may the nanomicrochips, whatever form they take, that may be introduced in this round of vaccines, but maybe not until later, uh, May that be part of the mark of the beast? It may. Yet men will harden their hearts against me. And they will take up the sword, one against another, and they will kill one another. Now this is different than men being commanded by the Lord to take up the sword in defense of their wives and their families and their religion and their freedoms, um, and all that which is good. This is not talking about that. This is talking about descending into chaos. And mobs forming, and you have one wicked mob fighting against another wicked mob, and they will take the wicked will take up the sword against the wicked and they will be destroyed. Again, this is not talking about the righteous defense of religion and families and liberty and all of that which is good. And they will take up the sword, the they meaning those who enter into a covenant with death and Sheol, one against another, and they will kill one another. And now when I, the Lord, had spoken these words unto my disciples, they were troubled. And I said unto them, Be not troubled, for when all these things shall come to pass, ye may know that the promise, that the promises which I have made unto you shall be fulfilled. And when the light shall begin to break forth, it shall be with them like unto a parable which I will show unto you. So this light breaking forth is Joseph Smith returning in his second ministry. The opening of the heavens and the restoration again to the Latter-day Saints 
and eventually to the people of the whole earth of the new covenant and the doctrine of Christ. Ye look and behold a fig trees, and ye see them with your eyes, and ye say when they begin to shoot forth, and their leaves are yet tender, that summer is now nigh at hand. Even so it shall be in that day, when they shall see all these things, then shall they know that the hour is nigh. Well, you know, these are the saints of God. And, you know, the, the shooting forth of the shoots is a representation of a relationship, even a covenant relationship with God. And among these fig trees, there are those with leaves that bear fruit and those with leaves that do not bear fruit. Or in other words, we have wise virgins and foolish virgins. They're allowed to grow up together. We have the wheat growing up with the tares, and they're allowed to grow up together before the final separation. Even so shall it be in that day when they shall see all these things. Then shall they know that the hour is nigh. And it shall come to pass that he that feareth me shall be looking forth for the great day of the Lord to come, even for the signs of the coming of the Son of Man. For they shall see signs and wonders. For they shall be shown forth in the heavens above and in the earth beneath. And they shall behold blood and fire and vapors of smoke. And before the day of the Lord shall come, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall be turned into blood, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the remnant shall be gathered unto this place. Then they shall look for me, and behold, I will come, and they shall see me in the clouds of heaven, clothed with power and great glory, with all the holy angels, and he that watches not for me shall be cut off. But before the arm of the Lord shall fall, an angel shall sound his trump, and the saints that have slept shall come forth to meet me in the cloud. Okay, this is the morning of the first resurrection talked about in DNC 76. Wherefore, if ye have slept in peace, blessed are you. For as you now behold me and know that I am, even so shall ye come unto me, and your soul shall live. And your redemption shall be perfected, and the saints shall come forth from the four quarters of the earth. Or in other words, if ye have ascended to the level of becoming kings and queens, kings and, que kings and queens, priests and priestesses unto the Most High God, and, you know, have passed away before Christ comes in the fullness of his glory, um, you are at the level of a just man made perfect. And at the coming of Christ in his glory, you shall be resurrected to a translated terrestrial body and come with Christ as he returns to the earth. Just as all those who have ascended to that level will be caught up with him and they will also have their bodies changed to a high level translated terrestrial glory and they will also come with Christ in his glory. Um, while those who have passed away but have not ascended to this level, um, they will also come forth during the millennium, but not on the morning of the first resurrection. They will be born 
to parents during the millennium. And they will have the opportunity to ascend up the spiritual ladder and come onto this level. Um, although it's much more difficult because Satan has been bound and we don't have that opposition. So while during the millennium, while Satan is bound, we have tremendous opportunities to increase and advance in knowledge. Um, what is more difficult is to advance in character. Because to advance in character, we need the opposition. But at the end of the millennium, you know, Satan is again loosed. And we will have tremendous opportunity to advance in character because there will be such great opposition that will be presented. And we'll be able to combine the knowledge that we have gained and advanced during the millennial period and then combine it with the increase in character that will again be possible when Satan is against loosed during the Battle of Gog and Magog. Verse 47, then shall the arm of the Lord fall upon the nations, and then shall the Lord set his foot upon the mount, and it shall cleave in twain, and the earth shall tremble and reel to and fro, and the heavens also shall shake, and the Lord shall utter his voice, and all the ends of the earth shall hear it, and the nations of the earth shall mourn, and they that have laughed shall see their folly. And calamity shall cover the mocker, and the scorner shall be consumed, and they that have watched for iniquity shall be hewn down and cast into the fire. And then shall the Jews look upon me and say, What are these wounds? In the hands and in thy feet. Then shall they know that I am the Lord, for I will say unto them, These wounds are the wounds which I was wounded in the house of my friends. I am he who was lifted up. I am Jesus that was crucified. I am the Son of God. And it will also be quite a shock for the Latter-day Saints. Just as it will be a shock for the Jews. For the Jews looked beyond the mark and they missed their true Savior. And so are the Latter-day Saints behaving as the Jews did at the time of Christ. And the Latter-day Saints are receiving men who speak without the power and authority of the Holy Ghost as true prophets. And they think that their symbolic temple ceremonies are saving them and giving them entrance into the celestial kingdom. And they will wake up on that day, having not entered into the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit, having not become Christ's sons and daughters. And they will find at that day that even though they have valid temple recommends, that their souls are not saved because they trusted in the arm of flesh and they took as doctrine the words of those who speak without the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. And they received the outer symbol of exaltation without ever receiving the actual process of ascension and exaltation, which includes baptism by water into the trustful order, the ordinance of baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, entering into the rest of the Lord, which rest is the fullness of his glory, 
and having their calling and election made sure. Then coming into not only the presence of Jesus Christ, but of father and mother. Being ordained for men unto the patriarchal order of Melchizedek priesthood by father. And by women, not entering into the priesthood order, but having the matriarchal order conferred upon them by mother. And living true and faithful to those orders and overcoming all manner of fire and opposition so that those orders may be sealed upon them. And thus becoming God's little G, even the sons of God, big G. Kings and priests, queens and priestesses unto the God most high. That is the level of a just man made perfect. That is the spiritual level of one who comes forth on the morning of the first resurrection, who will be caught up with Christ as he returns in glory. Now, there will be many who will make it into the millennium who are not at that covenant level yet. In fact, most will not yet be at that covenant level who will make it into the millennium. Verse 49, NC 45. And the Lord shall utter his voice, and all the ends of the earth shall hear it. And the nations of the earth shall mourn, and they that have laughed shall see their folly. And calamity shall cover the mocker, and the scorner shall be consumed. And they that have watched for iniquity shall be hewn down and cast into the fire. They that shall have watched for iniquity shall be hewn down and cast into the fire. Who is that referring to? Who is the mocker and the scorner? Well, these are the people who inhabit the great and spacious building that Lehi and Nephi saw. And while we've lived our entire life believing that, well, (laughs) these are those who have not yet accepted the gospel, these are they who are Christians who will not receive the restoration. In reality, um, what do those who have received of the restoration of the gospel care about the scorn of those who have not? Um, that in reality, affects those who have accepted the restoration very little. What does affect those who have received the restoration, which can cause them to become ashamed and to wander off on strange paths, are those of their own faith that point and wag their fingers at those who are humble followers of Jesus Christ. Or those who have received and have discovered the new and everlasting covenant in the Book of Mormon have entered into the covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit and seek diligently with all their might to receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then enter into the rest of the Lord. These are they who are scorned and are mocked by those members of the church who are in the great and spacious building who will not receive 
the doctrine of Christ, but harden their hearts against the Holy One of Israel. And calamity shall cover the mocker, and the scorner shall be consumed. And they that have watched for iniquity shall be hewn down and cast into the fire. Those in the great and spacious building don't make it. And then shall the Jews look upon me and say, what are these wounds in thine hands and in thy feet? And all of those in the great and spacious building will say, hey, wait a second. We have valid temple recommends. We were strict in discovering iniquity in the church or we were strict in rooting out and exposing and casting out the humble followers of Christ verse 52 then shall they know that I am the Lord I will say unto them these wounds are the wounds which I was wounded in the house of my friends I am he who was lifted up. I am Jesus that was crucified. I am the son of God. And then shall they weep because of their iniquities. Then shall they lament because they persecuted their king. Then shall they, he, the nations be redeemed. Now, when does the gospel go forth to the heathen nations? Well, after Joseph Smith leads out the end time exodus. Um, during that exodus, which culminates with meeting up with Enoch and his city and establishment of the New Jerusalem, before, it, before that end time exodus meets with Enoch, there are missionary efforts that are conducted. The first one being to the Lamanites and then to various other peoples until meeting up with Enoch. And once New Jerusalem is established, then missionary efforts will continue to go forth to the rest of the earth, even to all of the heathen nations before Christ comes in his glory. And then shall the heathen nations be redeemed. At least they will be offered um, the doctrine of Christ and the new covenant. And those who will receive it and enter into it will be saved. And they that knew no law shall have part in the first resurrection, and it shall be tolerable, tolerable for them. And Satan shall be bound, that he shall have no place in the hearts of the children of men. And at that day, when I shall come in my glory, shall the parable be fulfilled which I spake concerning the ten virgins. For they that are wise and have received the truth and have taken the Holy Spirit for their guide, and have not been deceived, verily I say unto you, they shall not be hewn down and cast into the fire, but shall abide the day. And the earth shall be given unto them for an inheritance, and they shall multiply and wax strong. And their children shall grow up without sin unto salvation. See, during the millennium, there will be many children who will be born. And the children who will be born will be those who were not quite ready to come forth on the morning of the first resurrection, but still qualified to go into a terrestrial rest for a period of time. For the Lord shall be in their midst and his glory shall be upon them and he will be their king and their lawgiver. And now behold, I say unto you, it shall not be given unto you to know any further 
concerning this chapter until the New Testament be translated. And in it, all these things shall be made known. Well, this translation of the New Testament, while yes, Joseph Smith did begin its translation, he only just scratched the surface. And this is one of the things that Joseph Smith is currently working on. And this knowledge, which is more than this, is going to be coming forth with Joseph as he brings forth the full um, Joseph Smith translation of the New Testament and the record of the Twelve Apostles, as talked about by Nephi, and the brass plates. Um, and all of these records will go forth to the Church of Christ, while the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon will be reserved for the Church of the Firstborn. Now, in DNC 112. Verses 23 through 26. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Darkness covereth the earth, and gross darkness the minds of the people, and all flesh has become corrupt before my face. Again, the Lord in prophecy is speaking about our day today. Behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth. A day of wrath, a day of burning, a day of desolation, of weeping, of mourning, and of lamentation. And as a whirlwind, it shall come upon all the face of the earth, saith the Lord. And upon my house shall it begin. And from my house shall it go forth, saith the Lord. Well, this is exactly what we've been reading in DNC 45 about the overflowing scourge and desolating sickness and earthquakes and destruction by the sword. And in DNC 84, the scourge and a judgment in its fullness that would be poured out among the Latter-day Saints who would reject the new covenant of a broken heart and contrite spirit. And in DNC 5, the desolating scourge that would be poured out among the Latter-day Saints who did not accept the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ or the doctrine of Christ and enter into that new covenant and do their best to live that covenant with integrity. For among those, first among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me. In other words, if we do not have elements among the 15, um, it is not going to go well for either leadership or membership. Specifically, among the Latter-day Saints who have professed to know my name and have not known me. Those 
who are not built upon the rock, who is Christ in Revelation, but are built upon a sandy foundation and are become angry when the doctrine of Christ is preached unto them in power and authority. And have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house, saith the Lord. You know, what uh, What did we talk about the first of this meeting? Um, that is the meaning of taking the Lord's name in vain. Well, it means the same thing as blaspheming against him. To proclaim that one has power and authority to perform saving ordinances when they do not. And to believe that these things save them, which are only symbols, and being content with the symbol which is ministered without power and without authority, and believing that they are saved, and being puffed up in the pride of their hearts above all people, um, without ever humbling themselves, offering up a broken heart and contrite spirit, without ever seeking after, let alone receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and not believing that it is the doctrine of Christ that, that prepares us to enter into his rest in this life. Who have professed to know my name and have not known me and have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house, saith the Lord. Let's cross-reference that with JST Matthew 21. Talking about the same group of people who would blaspheme against the name of the Lord. JST Matthew 21, verse 53. And the kingdom of God shall be taken from the meaning the Jews of Christ's day, and shall be given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof, meaning the Gentiles, in parentheses. So the term Gentiles as being used in the JST of Matthew 21 is used in the exact same way that the term Gentiles is used in the Book of Mormon, referring to members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. This has direct reference to the restoration of the gospel through Joseph Smith. Wherefore, on whomsoever this stone shall fall, it shall grind him to powder. Christ declares himself to be the stone, and the stone falls upon those fig trees with leaves but no fruit. Those who profess to know his name. Back in verse 26 of DNC 112, this is, these are those upon whom the stone or rock of Christ shall fall. First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me. These are the fig trees with leaves but no fruit, and have blasphemed against me in the midst of my house, saith the Lord. Back to Jesse Matthew 21. And when the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh, he will destroy those miserable, wicked men, and will let again his vineyard unto other husbandmen, even in the last days, who shall render him the fruits of their season. Well, who is this talking about? Who is the Lord calling miserable, wicked men? Well, the husbandmen in the vineyard. And he will let again his vineyard unto other husbandmen. Well, before we get to verse 56 in JST Matthew 21, to find out who these miserable, wicked husbandmen are, let's turn to DNC 101. 
Dinsey 101, verse 50. And while they were yet at variance, talking about the servants and watchmen in the LDS church, who were supposed to build their own towers, or who were supposed to enter into the new covenant, receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and enter into the rest of the Lord in this life, who were supposed to be the leadership of the church, but who did not. And while they were yet at variance one with another, they became very slothful. And they hearkened not unto the commandments of their Lord. And the enemy came by night and broke down the hedge, meaning that the adversary came into the church and gutted the knowledge of the new and everlasting covenant of how to be born again as Christ's sons and his daughters. And the servants of the noblemen arose and were affrighted and fled, and the enemy destroyed their works and broke down the olive trees. Or because of the lack of diligence of leaders of the church, the adversary was allowed to come in and destroy the doctrine of Christ and the path of ascension. And priesthood authority was taken away and was not restored. Verse 52. And behold, the nobleman, the Lord of the vineyard, called upon his servants and said unto them, Why? What is the cause of this great evil? Well, these are among the same men who are the husbandmen in JST Matthew 21, who the Lord calls miserable wicked men. Ought ye not to have done even as I commanded you, for they should have known better. They had the scriptures before them. There was no excuse. And the spirit moved upon them and told them what their duty and obligation was, and they would not. And after he had planted the vineyard and built the hedge round about and set a watchman upon the walls thereof, built the tower also and set a watchman upon the tower and watched for my vineyard and not have fallen asleep lest the enemy should come upon you. For behold, the watchman upon the tower would have seen the enemy while he was yet afar off. And then you could have made ready and kept the enemy from breaking down the hedge thereof and saved my vineyard from the hands of the destroyer. And this is how Sion got to be in a scattered state that it needs to be reclaimed and redeemed by the return of Joseph Smith and the end time servants, the opening again of the heavens and visiting of angels again to the earth. For if the watchman, if the husbandman did their jobs, it wouldn't be necessary, but they didn't. These are those who the Lord calls miserable, wicked men. Even the heads of the Elias Church. Because they would not hearken unto the counsel of their God. Because they would not enter into the new covenant, nor would they teach it. Even though the Spirit had pointed it out to them. They would not be almonds. Even though they were called to be such. And these are those who the Lord calls miserable, wicked men. In verse 55 of Matthew 21. GST Matthew 21. 
But we find out that these miserable, wicked husbandmen would be replaced. He will let again his vineyard unto other husbandmen. Well, who are these other husbandmen? Well, if we go back to uh, DNC 101, we find out who these other husbandmen are, that the Lord will let again his vineyard to in the last days, that they shall render him the fruits in their season. Well, what are the fruits in their season? Well, they're fig trees that have not only leaves but also fruit. What are the fruit? The fruit is seeking after and receiving the ordinance of baptism, of fire, baptism, of the Holy Ghost, and becoming Christ's sons and daughters. So these other husbandmen actually restore knowledge of the true covenant, a broken heart and contrite spirit, that the people again might enter into it, receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, become Christ's sons and his daughters, or in other words, bear fruit that Christ might lay it up unto himself. Verse 55 in DNC 101. And the Lord of the vineyard said unto one of his servants, Joseph Smith Jr., go and gather together the residue of my servants. These are the other husbandmen who return with Joseph Smith. And it's Joseph Smith and these husbandmen that the Lord turns over care of his vineyard before he comes in his glory. That we might again have a people enter into the new and everlasting covenant, receive the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, and seek to enter into the rest of the Lord. In fact, this is what is being talked about in JST Genesis 9. Then JST Genesis 9, verse 21. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant which I made unto thy father Enoch, that when men should keep all my commandments, Zion should again come upon the earth, the city of Enoch, which I have caught up unto myself. Well, how is it possible that men should keep all of his commandments? By beginning to take the Holy Spirit as their guide, before they find the truth and are not deceived. Those who enter into the new covenant are seeking after and receiving the baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's how men and women are able to keep all of God's commandments. They are living according to the terms of the covenant given to them by revelation. And thus become God's people. And thus they keep all of God's commandments. So, Back to JST Matthew 21, verse 55. And when the Lord thereof of the vineyard cometh, he will destroy those miserable wicked men, leaders of the LDS church, who do not repent and return, lest there are elms among them, which we pray and hope that there are, and will let again his vineyard unto other husbandmen, the servants including Joseph Smith, who returned with him. Even in the last days who shall render him the fruits of their season by restoring knowledge of the new covenant, of a broken heart and contrite spirit, baptism of fire, baptism of the Holy Ghost, entering into the rest of the Lord. And then verse 56. And then understood they that they are the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ, 
the parable which he spake unto them, that the members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints are the Gentiles, should be destroyed also when the Lord should descend out of heaven to reign in his vineyard, which is the earth and the inhabitants thereof. So, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the telestial rejected as a church with our dead level of the gospel, although it is preparatory, although God gathers his people into it so that they can have access to the scriptures of the restoration, this is the outer court of the Gentiles. The outer court of the Gentiles doesn't make it. If you don't ascend from the outer court of the Gentiles into the inner court, which is the church of Christ, the terrestrial order, you don't make it. You're numbered among the tares, whose bands are made strong. And when the desolating scourge comes, when the overflowing sickness, when the earthquakes and fires and lightnings and floods, and destruction by the sword, when those things come, if you have not ascended from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints to the Church of Christ, you don't make it. But those who do are preserved by the Lord, for they are his people. They have become his sons and his daughters, and they are working to ascend from the inner court to the Holy of Holies to come into Christ's presence in the fullness of his glory, receive their calling election made sure, and enter into the church of the firstborn. These are Christ's people. We need to be found among this people. And all of those who reject the new covenant. They do not ascend to the terrestrial order church of Christ. Thus they remain in the outer court of the Gentiles or church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and qualify for destruction. And that is why it is so serious for us who have been awakened to declare the warning voice to our family members, to our brothers and sisters in the gospel, to our ward members, to our stake members, to everybody who will listen to us. Because they do not have as great as leniency as the rest of the Christian world has. For they have been given the fullness of the gospel. The scriptures are before them. But they harden their hearts. And they won't accept the fullness. But we must labor that their hearts might be softened. We must pray and plead for them that they will receive the experiences they need. That their foundation might be built upon the rock who is Christ in revelation. And at some point before the final separation of the wheat and tares, they might find themselves built upon the rock and receive the doctrine of Christ in the new covenant with gladness. That they might be saved. That they may not be found among the tares, whose bands are to be made strong for burning. DNC 
verse 22. Verse 21. Therefore, verily thus saith the Lord, let Zion rejoice. Zion here are those among the Latter-day Saints who will enter into the new covenant, not only to say, but also to do. Let Zion rejoice, for this is Zion the pure in heart. Therefore, let Zion rejoice, while all the wicked shall mourn. For behold, and lo, vengeance cometh speedily upon the ungodly, as the whirlwind. And who shall escape it? The Lord's scourge shall pass over by night and by day, and the report thereof shall vex all people. Yea, it shall not be stayed until the Lord come. So, you know, I hear many saying, well, it'll be nice when we get through this COVID-19 period and all of the restrictions are ended and everything will return to normal. Well, guess what? Things are as good now as far as the general population until Zion is established as they will ever be. From here on, we only come into greater tyranny. Although it may ebb and flow, the the overall uh, line will be increase. For the indignation of the Lord is kindled against their abominations and all their wicked works. Nevertheless, Zion shall escape. Or those who enter into the new covenant, who will hear it from our lips as we declare it to them by the power and authority of the Holy Ghost. Zion shall escape if she observed to do all things whatsoever I have commanded her. But if she observes not to do whatsoever I have commanded her, I will visit her according to all her works with sore affliction, with pestilence, with plague, with sword, with vengeance, with devouring fire. This is the cleansing beginning in the Lord's own house. This is the beginning of abomination of desolation. And it starts among the Latter-day Saints because we have been given more light knowledge than any other people upon the face of the earth. Nevertheless, let it be read this once to her ears that I, the Lord, have accepted of her offering. And if she sin no more, none of these things shall come upon her. So the Lord extends his hand. And if we will but repent and return, he will save us. And we will be his people and he will be our God. Verse 28, and I will bless her with blessings and multiply a multiplicity of blessings upon her. And upon her generations forever and ever, saith the Lord your God, amen. So, true Zion escapes the scourging that will fall first upon the foolish virgins and then upon the entire earth. Moses said, Actually, we're going to save Moses 7 and the rest of the scriptures I was planning to get through tonight. 
for next Monday when we will have part nine in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And now we will open it up to discussion, questions, experiences, and discussion points.